Imagine you're a young Jewish child playing outside at the end of a long day. While holding your doll, you toss a leather ball to your friends in front of your house. The other day, your ball had begun leaking seeds, but thankfully, your Abba was able to find more seeds and sew it back up. After tossing the ball to Sarah, you notice a large group of men walking down the road, and you wonder if there's an important person in the middle of that group. As you're staring at the group, the ball suddenly hits you in the face. Ow! Sarah, make sure I'm looking next time. As you rub your face, you catch a glimpse of a man in the middle of the group that seems very kind and peaceful. You realize that it's Jesus. You run inside and ask your mom if you can go meet him. Well, honey, I'm in the middle of something. But mom, he's healed people. He's fed thousands. Your mom interrupts you. I'm sure he's too busy to talk with you. But mom, please, 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 please. You give your mom the sweetest face you can muster as you stick out your lower lip just a bit and look up at her. Your mom just stares at you, but finally relents. Okay, go get your friends and we'll see if we can catch up to him. Yes! Your sweet face wins again. You and your friends take off down the road, laughing and giggling as your mom struggles to keep up. You're not paying much attention to where you're going and you suddenly run into one of the men in Jesus' group. He turns around and sternly tells you to watch where you're going. I'm sorry, you quickly reply. We're just excited about meeting Jesus. Not today, little girl, he replies. Jesus is way too busy to talk with you and your little friends. You thought Jesus was kind, so why are his friends so mean? Your mom tries to explain that they were hoping Jesus could bless their children, but Jesus' friend scolds her for thinking Jesus would spend time with children. As you begin to cry, you lock eyes with Jesus, and you notice a flash of anger on his face. Oh no, now you've made Jesus mad too. You slink back to your mom, ready to sprint back home. You're surprised when Jesus doesn't scold you, but instead turns to his friends and sternly says, Let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. Surprised, but extremely relieved, you approach Jesus and he gives you the biggest hug you've ever received. I'm Pastor Michael and this is Chicken and Waffles, the Bible podcast for preteens, where learning and obeying God's Word creates preteens that are unique and unforgettable, just like Chicken and Waffles. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Chicken and Waffles. I'm Pastor Michael, if this is your first time here, and I am glad you are joining us. Hey, and I just want to give a shout out to Claire and Caroline. I ran into them the other day, they recognized me out in public, and they're like, Hey, we love chicken and waffles. I love it. Thank you for listening, Claire and Caroline. I'm glad I got to meet you. Now, can you imagine trying to get to Jesus but being turned away because you weren't important enough? Well, that's exactly what happened 
to a group of parents and kids when they tried to meet Jesus. So let's find out what happens in Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. One day, some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. He said to them, Let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Then he took the children in his arms and placed his hands on their heads and blessed them. All right, so let's dive into this passage and let's start with our first question, our chicken question. What does it mean? Now, have you ever been watching TV and you see the the president of the United States come on TV and notice that there are some people standing close to him but they never smile, they don't seem to engage with anyone, they're wearing sunglasses, and every once in a while they seem to be talking into their sleeves. Have you ever noticed these people before? You know, what's that all about? Well, they're called the Secret Service, and their sole job is to protect the president. And wherever the president travels, whether he's in town in Washington, D.C., or if he's traveling somewhere around the country, around the world, Their job is to make sure that he stays safe. And there is so much that goes into keeping a president safe. And so before he travels somewhere, the Secret Service will go to that city weeks in advance and they will scout out all the different routes, any potential security threats, you know, all of those types of things. And then they even take the presidential limo to that city before he even gets there. And you know what that car is called? It's called. The Beast. Now, I love that. I really need, I need a big honking car that I can call The Beast, right? Well, this is an amazing car. It can withstand chemical warfare. It's got bulletproof windows, and it can even shoot out tear gas if it needs to. That's what I found out. That's a pretty cool car, right? So the Secret Service is there solely to keep him safe. And you know what? Nobody's getting to the president unless they allow it. Now, in this passage today, it seems like the disciples kind of thought they were the secret service, you know, for Jesus. Jesus is important, and so they need to be there to keep just the regular people away from Jesus. You know, only important people are going to get to Jesus. Only approved people are going to get to Jesus. But... I don't think that's the way Jesus functions. And and I think, you know, we saw in the passage today that Jesus got mad at the disciples because I think in the previous chapter that we just talked about, he had had a whole discussion with them about how he doesn't care about position, authority, power, all of those things. But yet, once again, here they are trying to decide who's important and who's not. But Jesus made it very clear that he loves children. Now, in your case, he loves preteens, right? And he loves you because children are special to Jesus because you believe what Jesus says and you trust him. Now, you may struggle to obey what he says, but you know what? That's all of us, myself included. See, Jesus elevates children because we adults got something to learn from you. 
Did you hear how he said, like, no one can come into the kingdom of heaven if you're not like these children? So what did, what did he mean by that? It's the fact that as children, you guys are much more likely to fully believe and act on what God says. Like, when you read and hear that God will take care of you, you believe it. But you know what adults do? We worry and we wonder if we're going to have everything that we need and we doubt whether God's going to provide for us. But when you hear that all you have to do is repent of your sins and submit to God for salvation, that's what you do. You believe that God's going to save you when you ask him to. But you know what we adults sometimes do? We try and go and earn our salvation by being good and thinking that God will love us more if we go out and be good people. But that's never what Jesus said. And then when you, as a preteen or as a child, you hear that you're supposed to trust God with your money and then tithe off of that, meaning give 10% back to your church, you actually go and do it. But you know what adults do? Sometimes we get scared about giving our money away and giving it back to God, and we think that we're better off if we keep it. So then we don't tithe, or we struggle to tithe. That's one of the reasons that Jesus loves children or Jesus loves preteens, because you guys believe and act on what he says. And so I want you all to remember our big idea today is that I reveal my faith in God when I believe what he says. Oh, and that's what I love about working with preteens is that you guys hear what Jesus says and you believe him with a complete faith. So what should you do? So our second question is, what should I do? I'm going to be honest with y'all. Sometimes as an adult, I have trouble believing God's promises. You know, I read in scripture that God provides for his people or that he's going to give me wisdom, or that nothing catches him by surprise. Uh, And one of the ways that I I have struggled with the Lord over the years is that one of my boys is on the severe end of the autism spectrum. Now, I don't know if you know anybody maybe that has special needs or a disability, but that's a part of my life every day. And over the years, I've been overwhelmed at different points about how to help him and provide him with what he needs. Now, I believe the Lord has given me some promises from Scripture concerning my son and my family, but recently, the Lord has challenged me if I truly believe his promises. Yeah, and I have all of these promises written down, but I've been struggling a bit to actually believe those promises Recently, I've begun to pull those promises out. I've gotten them all written down. And after my boys go to bed, I've begun praying those scriptures again, those promises, and then telling the Lord that I believe them. Because every time I pray one of those promises from scripture, it strengthens my faith and it reminds me of who God is and what he is able to do and what his character is. Is. So here's my challenge that I want to give you today. I want you to find your Bible and write out Isaiah 41.10 on a note card. And then when you go to bed for the next three nights, I want you to pray this Bible verse and tell God that you believe it. 
Now, what does Isaiah 41.10 say? It says, don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. So what does that look like to pray that verse? Well, this is what your prayer could look like. You could say, God, help me to not be afraid or discouraged because I believe you are with me and that you are my God. I believe you will strengthen and help me and hold me up with your victorious right hand. See, praying scripture is one of the best ways to remember God's promises. And when we pray his word, he will remind us of his truth and fill us with peace that only comes from his spirit. So I want you to remember today, our big idea, I reveal my faith in God when I believe what he says. And then I want you to write down and pray Isaiah 41.10 the next three nights before you go to sleep. Hey, thanks for joining me for another episode of Chicken and Waffles. And I, I want to encourage you to talk with your parents about leaving a rating or review in Apple Podcasts. I know many of y'all listen in Apple Podcasts about what you or your parents love about chicken and waffles. Since I don't get to see you, I don't get to know what you love about the podcast. So if you leave that, that rating or review, then I can hear from you and know how this is impacting you and your family. Now, don't forget to read Mark chapter 11 before our next episode and answer our two questions. What does it mean and what should I do in your journal? Remember... Every time you learn and obey God's word, you're becoming unique and unforgettable, just like chicken and waffles. I'll see you next time.